How many times do we lay in bed at night? Think about our kids. You know what I've learned? That uh, and the older they get, and you think that, that, that it would get easier, here's what I'm learning from talking to parents and stuff. It almost in some ways gets harder, does it not? Because you don't just stop loving them because they've moved out. Actually, because you can't see them every day or you can't put your hands on their problem, it almost kind of inflicts more stress and problems. We struggle as parents with the, the idea, of, uh, is my child being bullied at school? Is he not telling me everything that's going on? What, what, are, what are they tempting him with or telling him or, or, or giving him at school? struggle with our kids that and I I didn't realize this is as they get older when your kids are not accepted or they feel like they're not being that they don't fit in or they're they're you know that they they uh they have a lack of self-confidence they begin to get older as teenager and you're worried about the habits that they're forming in their lives every child that comes in their life that's a friend and they get older and you see bad habits in their life and you're praying lord i I don't want to alienate my kids, but at the same time, Lord, I don't want to lose them. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, it's, it, you cannot do this without God. Can I tell you that right now? And you say, oh, amen, we all know that. But I'm not saying the cliche, you need God type of way, but I want to speak today on the subject of, Lord, I need you. And I'm saying this because I'm, I, I promise you that this heartbreak that is in all of our lives, whether it's dealing with finances of God, my Child wants to go to summer camp, and I don't have the money even to pay rent with their own sin than the camp. Or you see your kids that have shoes that are falling apart. And you're thinking, Lord, I can deal with these things, but what about them? It just breaks your heart. You know how I am. This is just how I am. I'm, I'm the type of guy that if I see a problem, I'm just going to knock it out, come up with a plan, write it out. I'll, I'll take a pad of paper and think, all right, if I save this much at this time, if I do this, and, and I'll, I'll write out, a, I, I'm, I, I'm a planner, I'm a thinker like that. That's how I process things. But what about those problems that you cannot process? I'm saying the things that are beyond your control, that you cannot change an illness, you cannot change a situation where they're, they're with another parent or you have the shared parenting and, and you've got concerns and you say, just, Lord, my hands are off of this. I cannot change it. I cannot go to them. I cannot make it right. Lord, I need you. The study in Luke chapter 8, if you'll turn with me there, Luke chapter 8 is a study of two average people. But both of them come to Jesus at the same time both of them had a problem that was far greater than they could handle. Honestly, it was a problem that they have dealt with for a long time. And uh, the one was sickness that came to the point of death. The other one was a sickness that had been dwelt with for 12 years. In verse 40, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returning, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Now, I mean, this is, this is the ones in your mind that, that they knew him, they knew his power, they probably experienced his power. Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. And as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, 
neither could be healed of any. Let's pray. God, as I share these principles, I pray, Lord, that you will touch our hearts. Lord, I'm, I'm bothered because the testimony of all of us would be to admit that, Lord, we need you. But, Lord, these two people in this passage took that phrase and put it into action in their life. Lord, help us to understand. We cannot lead, we cannot follow, we cannot be anything in this life that we ought to be without you being the source and strength of our help. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just, I, I like to relive these things. So put yourself in, in their shoes. You come up on this crowd. And the Bible says that Jesus was in the middle of that crowd. It was so intense that the people thronged him. That word throng meaning that they pressed upon him. Be like letting out of a major sporting event. And you know how it is. It's just shoulder to shoulder. And you cannot get through. And you know that he's somewhere in that crowd. But you are stuck with this distance. You can imagine in that situation as they're thinking through this saying, you know what, I should just give up. I'm going to look like a fool. I, I don't want to go in there and call the attention on myself. And I can tell you by the reaction of this woman, she was not one that wanted the attention put on herself. The guy's problem, Jarius, was a problem of someone that he loved. Sick daughter of 12 years old. Let me tell you guys. That little girl that was on this stage is my daughter. She's about to turn nine years old. And I, I am thinking, if I had a sickness in her life, and you said that you had to travel to the Amazon and, and, and go to the darkest, deepest part to find some sort of special medicine, I promise you, you could not hold me back from doing that. If there was a need, and I knew that there was a solution, I promise you, no money, no problem, no distance could separate me from fixing that. That's, that's what we're reading here. But can I tell you that we all know that about Christ? That, that the need of our children's salvation, their, their self-identity of them having stability of Jesus Christ is the core of everything about uh, the, the, the cutting issues and the, uh, the drug issues and all this. Every issue we have is greater let me tell you, their need of Christ and salvation is greater than any sickness they could ever have. And yet, do we have this kind of persistence? And we'll go through life and we'll be faithful to so many other things and God has blessed us. Jarius was like, I promise you, put a crowd in my way put an army in my way, I will bust through, I will get through, yelling out and getting to the feet of Jesus of saying, God, I need you for them. That's what we're reading. I love the, the fact that these two people were so different, combined in the same story, both of them with a great need. One of them was like, Jesus, come to my house. The other one was in the shadows, didn't even want to be recognized. One was outward. I've got a daughter back at my house. My family is there. The other one was inward. Nobody knew there that she even had the sickness. But either way, it represents all of us. You either have that wayward child or that sickness or that wife or that problem with finances or whatever that's very evident. Or you've got that internal issue of you crying yourself to sleep. You're broken in your heart. You are, you are distressed. You're miserable. You, you, that child might be 500 miles away, but you can't get it out of your mind that they have lost their job and their kids 
need food and shelter. I want to break this down because I want to show you where do you, where do you turn to? I'm asking you, where do you turn to? Mom, dad, child, teen. I know it's Mother's Day, but all of this applies. They both arrived at this location where they heard that Jesus was. So let's start, number one, with the seeker. Both of these, these two seekers show up with this problem. Both of them had problems they could not handle. Did you notice how the Bible says with her, she had spent all on physicians. You know what that is saying? She went to everybody in the world trying to get an answer for it, and every one of them failed. But let me tell you, that is very true in our world. Some of you can tune in to Dr. Phil and Oprah and whoever else has a a show like Dr. Oz and try to figure out 10 ways to have a better marriage and five steps in regaining your kid's trust and da-da-da-da. Let me tell you, nothing is a substitute for the power of God. Nothing. I know there's books and there's number one bestsellers and all these things that people try. And I'm not against marriage counseling and I'm not against all those things. But I'm telling you, this is what you need more than anything. This is it. For parents to say that my my kid's struggling with their identity or who they are or fitting in and all these things. I'm telling you, let them find their identity in Jesus Christ because they are a child of God. Child of God. And that goes right to the heart. But both of them realized that there was a problem that only Jesus could fix. Let me tell you this. When you have that in your mindset, it will change your problem. When you have it in your mind that I've got an issue that only Jesus can fix, it will change your attitude, it will change your pursuit, it will change your day. They were pursuing Jesus. Because only Jesus can conquer that pain. Only Jesus can forgive that past. Only Jesus can give you peace when nobody else can give you peace. Only Jesus can set you free. Let's notice, first thing here is these seekers' desperate need. In verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, which means he had quite a reputation, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged. This, this, this man comes with an outward cry. I mean, he was not ashamed. He was, he was being vocal and, and very open with what he's saying. But this woman was very different. She, she never opened her mouth. I, I'm telling you, she's in this crowd. And you see here in a second that she is burdened within. And the only thing she does, she doesn't even want to bug Jesus. She just tries to reach out and grab the hem of his garment. And I thought, looking at this, isn't it, isn't it cool the difference of one that was a ruler of the synagogue and the other one that was poor, lonely, alone with nobody? Here's, here's what I need to get you guys to understand is please don't put yourself into categories. Please don't walk into this church with the idea that there are some people that God shows more favor on than other people. And you're sitting there and say, I'll tell you what, I, I, I have this addiction and this problem, and I, I, I owe my, my ex-wife all this back pay of child support, and you can go through the list of all these things hanging over your head. You got somebody else, you walk inside, they have a $500 suit on, they sit up front, they carry two Bibles in the church, their family's sitting with all, like, ducks in a row, and everything looks good. Let me tell you, God cares just as much about their problem as your problem. Do not put yourself into categories. 
There's a reason that both of them are in the same story. There's a reason that God's doing this. She had spent all. She's all alone. She was, she had a problem. I won't get into it, but this problem that this woman had would, it would have been classifying her as unclean. When you were unclean, you were not even supposed to be in this place. A lot of people come in the church with the idea, I should not be here. Let me tell you, there's not a person here today that should not be here. God doesn't have levels of his love. He doesn't have categories of his forgiveness. He does not separate us into any kind of categories according to riches, popularity, or how long you've been a member of this church. God loves us. The point that the Bible was making here is they both came seeking Jesus. And their problem would have never changed if they did not get into the presence of God. Do you guys get that? People testify to me all the time. They come in, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to beat up anybody or make anybody feel bad, but I'm telling you right now, Jesus has no desire to be a band-aid in your life. Amen. You get hurt, it's like you run in there, put it over your boo-boo, you, you pull it off. I have three kids, we call them boo-boo. So you, 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 you put it on that hurt or whatever it is, you go back to your life and you pull it off and say, I'll come get you again when I get hurt. That's not the relationship that God has for us. Not at all. And, and sometimes I have people that come up to me and say, Pastor Tony, my life's falling apart. My wife won't speak to me. And I, I'm struggling with this and struggling with that. I'm saying, man, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in six months. You, you, you see, it's, it's a matter that we say we know that God has the problems, but we don't walk or seek God. So cliche to say this. Seek God. Seek God. Seek his face. Do all this. Everything changed when they got in the presence of Jesus. We have these mind games that happen. I'm sure this lady was saying, he'll never notice me. I, I don't know, I've prayed before. God doesn't listen to my prayers. And all the things that I've done, even if I'm here, Jesus is going to overstep me because he knows what I've done. I don't deserve his help. Then the Bible tells us in the midst of this that Jairus cries out. She never says a word. We go from the desperate need to their desperate plea. In verse 43, and the woman having an issue of blood of 12 years, which had spent all upon her physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. Immediately, her issue of blood was stanched. Not like Jairus. She reached out and helped. Now, notice this. And you're just saying, well, I've read the story. I know what happened or whatever. Just think of the power of this. She gets into the prom uh, presence of God, and a lot of times we... we Put this into some sort of dramatized, over-the-top thing. Come down the front, the elders of the church, and smack them in the head, and throw holy water, and, 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 and all this other stuff. You know what she did? In the, in the middle of her cry, in the middle of her plea, just reached out, and you can imagine as a mom just saying, God, help me. And immediately, her life was changed. Do you realize what a difference it makes, mom, as you're, have that burden in your heart and you're driving down the road and traffic and chaos is everywhere and you sit there with the tears on your cheek and you just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. God, I cannot handle this to lay in bed and to wake up in the middle of the night and your heart is racing because you're thinking about those issues. You're thinking about your spouse and you just lay there and you reach out with your heart and say, God, I need you. Does God care? God said, hey, listen, it, there was no theatrics. It was no big deal. It wasn't like Jerry is crying out, say, God, come to my house. Her was a simple plea of, God, I need you right here. 
I've told you guys stories about my mom. And my mom is one of the most humble women I know. She is, if she was here today and I was to have her stand, she would, she would hate to be even recognized. She's just that in her heart. And I, I look back at my mom and the life, and I, I tell her all the time, every time I write her a card, I tell her, I said, Mom, I would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for you. If it, Mom, if it wasn't for you, and I look back on my life, and I see what my mom did in my life, and I promise you it was nothing that would win a, a Nobel Peace Prize. There's nothing that's going to put her on the front page of the paper. My mom, as we were in our Christian school, would walk up and down the aisles, and my mom pushed a cleaning cart through the school. She was our school janitor. And she would clean the school to pay our school bill because it was on her heart that she wanted us to get a Christian education. And I remember at times that other kids would make fun and go, oh, make way for the cleaning lady, and I about knocked them out. That cleaning lady is my mom, dude. I remember when I was a kid, I was... Uh, looking for my mom, and I went into her bedroom, and I went to knock on the door of her bathroom, and I heard her talking, so I thought, okay, she must be about to beat Dave, and so I stood there to listen, <laughs> so, you know, voice recorder, you know, all that good stuff, cheer on, you know, and um, found out that there was nobody in there, my mom was in there praying, and, and I, I heard her get to my name, Lord, you bless my son, Lord, use him. Lord, I'm not getting up every day to go to that school to clean toilets just, just for an education. God, I want, I want the hand of God. I want you to move. I want you to work. Lord, bless him. Lord, he is yours. And I look back and I say, how in the world, how in the world did a redneck from Alabama ever get to be, have the privilege? Let me tell you guys, doing what we do, Pastor Joe, doing what we do is an honor and a privilege to take the word of God and share it with other people. It's a privilege. Any pastor that gets to the idea that you've showed up, you're a big shot, you've lost it all together. This is an honor to serve God. I tell my mom, and I know now, that the way she raised five kids and the way she was able to keep us following God and the way that I'm able to be where I'm at today is because in her life she cried out subtly from her heart, Lord, I need you. But I get to the better part. The second part, we go from the seekers to the Savior. Because all of a sudden, this whole first part of the story is all about these seekers. Their problems, their plea, their cry. Them going through the crowd. Them, them trying to get as close to Jesus as possible. And then it shifts to this. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? Now you're, you're probably thinking, going, all right, all right what, what's the point of this? Now, this is the part that I love. Jesus said, who touched me? How powerful. You can imagine in all of this, Peter was taken back and, and, and Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied Peter and all they that were with him, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest, who touched me? With a question mark. You know, Peter was just sitting there going, all right, God, first of all, um, we've got places to go. We've got things to do. The crowd is so big we can barely walk. We, we've, got, we've got all these miracles to perform. You've got, you've got that big message coming up. We've got all these things coming on. And now you're going to ask who ran or who bumped into you? Peter wasn't trying to be carnal in what he was saying. He was just trying to prove a point to Jesus that, Lord, there's no way to know. Let me tell you guys this. Jesus did not stop because he did not know. 
Do you guys get that? Jesus wasn't confused and, oh, I, I think something just happened. Can all you dummies around here tell me what happened? No. Jesus was proving a point. Verse 46, and Jesus said, no, guys, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Yes, Peter, there's a lot of people here, but I'm telling you, in the midst of this cry, in the midst of the people, in the midst of the crowd, there is someone here that has reached out to me, and it's time to let them know that I care. Isn't it awesome to know out of all the people and on all the riches and all the people that have it all together and everybody pressing upon Jesus and you come to church and everything, you in your chair, where you're at, you sit there and say, God, I need you. God steps in and says, honey, tell me what's on your heart. He actually takes it so far that he turns around and when he responds to this lady, he didn't just respond to her. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. We go from the Savior's concern to the Savior's response. Falling down before him, she declared unto him and before all the prophets for what cause she had touched him. And now she was healed immediately. And Jesus said unto her daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. How powerful this. And I'm thinking, why in this world did this young lady, this woman that was here, respond trembling before God? You know, it's a blessing. I'll tell you what, we never have to come fearful before our Father. You never have to go with regret of whatever the problem is or the, the past that you have or whatever. She comes trembling, not knowing how she was going to be accepted or how the crowd was going to accept her. And Jesus responds with a powerful word and calls her daughter. This morning I was in my office and uh, Morgan came in and she was hanging out with Ellie, those two, and that's how I asked them to help me with this, and um, she was in there, and she said, me and Ellie are going to go, and I said, well, I won't see you probably till after church until you help me on the stage. I said, come give daddy a hug, and she ran around my desk, and rather than just give me a hug, she, she jumped up into my lap. She put her arms around me. She hugs me as tight as possible and says, I love you, daddy, and then I go to let her go, and she hugs me again, and, and I mean, I know, I know they do that kind of stuff just to pay it forward for future gifts and activities and stuff. I know that. <laughs> I'm a dad of a daughter, I know that. But uh, let me tell you, the other part is I'm all good with that. Because uh, there's nothing sweeter than getting hugs from your daughter. You know why she ran around the pastor's desk and, and you know, knock stuff off my desk and run up on, uh, and get in my lap with no hesitation? She, she is my daughter. She knows that she has 100% access to Father and there is nothing that can get in the way of that. I, I love the fact that God says, hey... Turn around to all the crowd and stuff said, I care about the problem that you have. And reached out and said, yes, your faith has made you whole. But let me close with this. Verse 50, and when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only. Oh, I'll jump back, I'm sorry, verse 49. When he had spate, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying unto him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. First of all, I love the fact that you can never be troubling the master. He turned around and he was like, yeah, right, guys, I knew this was coming. I had it all worked out. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Now, this is the point. I know we're running out of time, but let me, let me show you this. Jesus, even at the end of this, of healing the woman that said nothing and hearing the other one that's crying out, the one that had an inward pain, the other one has this outward, obvious problem. 
The one issue that was right there present with them, the other one that was far off in their house. And the thought hit me, and I thought, you know how many times that Jesus went to, uh, like the centurions said, go in peace, your, your servant is made whole just like that. And they said, when was he healed? And they, they timed it back, and it was at the exact moment that Jesus said that. Why couldn't Jesus do that here? Jesus could have easily said, go home, your daughter is well. What? Okay, run back and she's home. God is, God is able to do that. He's able. When they came into the house, he suffered no man that could go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. And then I got it. Jesus wanted to be there. Jesus wanted to step into the mess. Jesus wanted to be invited into the house. Jesus wanted to be there to touch that weeping mother. Jesus wanted to be there to prove and rebuke all the scorners that are around there. And and they, they laughed him to scorn knowing that she was dead in verse 53. When everybody around you is just saying, hey, it's too far gone. There's nothing you can do. Hey, this problem's too big. What are you talking about? Oh, you go to church. Yeah, that's really going to fix things. That, that's nothing more than a religious crutch to lean on. And all the other junk that the world tells us. I love the fact that when all hope is gone and you feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do to fix it, that when Jesus shows up, everything changes. Weep not, is what Jesus says. And he suffered no man except Peter, James, and John to go in there. In verse 54, when he, when he put them all out and he took her by the hand and called and saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again and she arose straightway and commanded to give her meat. Now notice verse 56. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. That word astonished, literally right there in that passage, means to be beside yourself or to be in wonder. I'm a parent. I'm talking to moms on Mother's Day and a lot of parents and grandparents and people. And I know this applies to all of us. We have an opportunity in our lives to stand out and stand back and be astonished with the hand of God at work. You sit there and say, Pastor Tony, if I was to go through this crowd right now and say, tell me the burdens of your heart. Tell me what's on your family's heart. Tell me what you're going through. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about this. Every one of us. But you realize that most of our stories are more filled with heartache than it is about bragging on God of what God has done. And I know some of you are like that right now. I'm saying, Pastor Tony, I've been there, man. I've been broken. I, I've cried out to God for this. And, and I, I don't know the mind of God. I can't give you the answers for all of this. But I also know that there's a lot of people that are lacking in the blessings of God because they have not been seeking the presence of God. You have not because you ask not. And both of these had an outpouring of healing, an outpouring of power, even to the point where God steps into their house to change the lives of the entire family because they cried out these words, Lord, I need you. 